Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Take your Bible and go to Romans chapter 4, if you would, as we are continuing in this series that we started last week, titled The Future Is Now. You know, as people of faith, as people of faith, as people of faith, this is our reality. The future is now. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right, so faith is a substance and it's an evidence of what? Of the, of the future. Hope is future. Faith is now. But faith right now pulls into, oh, thank God. Faith has this pulling power to experience what is down there here right now. And it starts in this realm of believing and speaking. Believing and speaking. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, uh, says something really good. <laughs> but, but we also, that's it. We also having the same spirit of faith, the same spirit of faith as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So your faith is activated when you speak. It's one thing to have it in the heart. My family, it's also another thing to have it in your mouth. Believing and speaking. Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Speaks. And your mouth tells on your faith all the time. Your mouth is tell, it's declaring what you, what you believe. It's telling on you. Amen. So we need to believe the right kind of things so that we say the right kind of things and get the right kind of results. But in the realm of faith, when you declare by faith what God has promised you, what he has said, then you begin to pull your life into the experience of what is down there into here right now. What is down the road? What faith is the substance. So this means that it is this building material, if you will. I believe it's Hebrews chapter 11. Brooke, bring up Hebrews 11, 3, maybe. Well, what do you know? By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by what? The worlds were framed by the word of God. This earth is framed by the word of God. All this matter is being held together by his word. Now, this is amazing. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Everything that we see came out of that which we cannot see. This invisible God spoke invisible words and matter began to gather together. And that word manifested in a substance. Isn't this powerful? And what does the Bible say about you? You are created in his image and after his likeness. So the same power that he has to create the world, you have to create the world that you live in. Through words. And he's giving, giving you his word so that you can have the best kind of world. A world of blessing. A world of health and wholeness. A world of his abundant provision. 
a world of peace in your relationships, a world of joy that sustains you, a joy that strengthens you in the worst and most difficult times of your life. So we have to be aware and stay aware of this reality that the future is now because people of faith live in the now and they can experience everything that God has promised by activating it through believing and speaking. And we learned this from the father of our faith, a man known as Abraham. And this is where Paul's going to take us to in Romans chapter 4, verse 13, and help us connect to the beginning, to our beginning of faith. It starts with this man. For the promise that he, this is speaking of Abraham, that he would be the heir of the world. Think about this. The heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. Or, or what he's saying is that Abraham was not going to obtain this inheritance as father of the world because he behaved well. Because he lived right. Because he checked all the, the right boxes. Because he kept the rules. No, this, this is not how God worked through Abraham, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham believed God, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. Now think about that. If Heather and I have $25 in our checking account, we'd be all right, wouldn't we? <laughs> Take you out to lunch or something. And I'm reconciling my books, and I, I write down that I have a different amount than $25. Well, then that's not honest. When, the, when it says that, that righteousness was accounted to Abraham, the word account is the, this big Greek word, and I'm going to do my best, my Oklahoma, Texas um, process, through that process. <laughs> um, it's logizomai. Logizomai was where we get logic, the reality of things, things as they are. God <laughs> logizomide Abraham's faith as righteousness. Abraham offered faith. He believed God, and God said, faith is righteousness. It's the same thing. He accounted it as righteousness. That's extraordinary. So through the righteousness of faith. So this came because Abraham believed God. And then this promise be became enacted into Abraham's life. Not through performance, but through faith. Oh, this is good. This is good, Pastor Eric. Thank you. I appreciate that. I know it is. I know it. And so you know what that means for you and I is that you as believers are now entitled. Yeah, entitled. To the promises based on the righteousness <laughs> that you received when you believed. You're not entitled to these promises because you keep the rules or because you do good deeds or because you pay the price. Jesus Christ himself paid the price so that you could, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, inherit all the promises of God. What does the scripture say about all those promises? They are in Christ what? Yes. And in him, amen. How many of those promises? Huh? You believe that today? Then we got some searching to do to see what all those promises are. That book that you have, that Bible is a promise book. And God is a promise keeper. And Galatians says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. 
and heirs according to the promise. You know what that scripture just taught us? You get what Abraham got. You inherit what Abraham got. If Abraham gets the promises, then you get the promises. This is the way it works in the kingdom of God. Verse 14 of where are we? If he, I don't know. Romans 4. For if those who are of the law are, are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. All right? So if it's about those who keep the rules, then what's the point of believing? Verse 15. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. You know what's interesting? That when the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt through that God's miraculous signs and wonders, and finally Moses let, I mean, uh, Pharaoh let them go. And so they, like two and a half million Jews uh, made their way out of Egypt. And when they got out of Egypt, the people began to complain from time to time because things weren't going very well for them, or so they thought. See, God was taking them to a land that he had promised them, that he had actually promised Abraham. He's taking them there, and, you know, they're saying stuff like, I'm thirsty, or I'm hungry, just these little things, but they're grumbling and complaining, and God is, he's showing grace to them, he's being merciful, and he's, you know, even though they're, they're they're not being really loyal to him. Because for 400 plus years, you know, they've been in slavery, they've their hearts have become hardened over time. They're, they're not experiencing a relationship with God like their father Abraham, who walked by faith. They, they have been, the Egypt system has come in and began to twist their thinking, and, and they've, they've given themselves into its ideologies and its philosophies. So it hardened them to the things of God. So out there, they were a very stubborn people, and so God is, is merciful to them. But then the law came. And the law came, I want to just... Maybe you didn't know this today, but the law of Moses came not by God's idea. As a matter of fact, he didn't want to give the law. They asked for the law. Moses, the Lord wanted to have fellowship with all of the people, but you know, when he came down on this mountain and things were, <laughs> his power was manifesting, there was lightning and thunder and this dark cloud, and they were like, we're not going up there. Are you kidding me? Moses, you go for us. Now, check this out. This is what that Moses, you go for us and tell God to just give us a checklist to live by. Whatever he tells us to do, we'll do it. This shows the state of their heart. They didn't want a relationship. They just wanted some rules to live by. Something that would make them feel good. You know, it's like I went to church today. Check. I read my Bible today. Check. I did this today. Check. I'm really living a good life. I'm a good little Christian. And so it was just, just about checking the box. I'm quite sure that grieved God. And so he said, you want rules? Oh, boy. This is the system you want. This is the relationship you want. You're going to be sorry you asked for this. And so he wrote these rules down on these tablets. And one of those rules is you shall not make or carve an image and worship it. Do you know, we'll do whatever God says. Moses has this meeting with God. He comes down with the checklist, and what are they doing? They're, they've built a, an idol. They all donated their jewelry, and they fashioned this calf, this golden calf, and they were bowing down worshiping it. First thing, the rules are broke. First thing. And God knew they wouldn't be able to live up to this. 
And so when that law came then, consequences came. They did not. See, they didn't realize what they were asking for. They were asking for a judicial system. They were asking for a judge. How many of you know that justice, it, <clears throat> it's, it's just black and white. There's no mercy in justice. It's, this is the right thing to do, no matter what. It didn't, it didn't consider how you feel about it. Mercy is what we really like. But we appreciate justice, too, at the right, when it's in the right context. But now they've asked for justice, and so God says, okay. So now when they complain against God, guess what happens? They die. Penalty. There's wrathful consequences now. Before, when they were under the mercy of God, he just overlooked it, overlooked it. But now when they asked for the rules, he said, okay. You do this then, you break this law, then you get this consequence. And it looks like God got mean. No, he didn't get mean. He's giving them what they asked for. He's being to them what they want him to be. They found out later on they didn't really necessarily want that. But those laws did help govern and, and identify Israel as a nation. And those are all very good laws, good moral laws, good code of ethics to live by. But Abraham didn't have any of this. This is 400 years after Abraham was here on the earth. So before that, Abraham just walked by faith. He wasn't told by God, don't commit adultery, don't uh, steal. Don't. He just walked by faith. He didn't need to hear those rules because he was walking by faith. And when you walk by faith, see, you walk in the righteousness of God. That's the amazing thing. Okay. So it says, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Hmm. If... <laughs> I believe it's Romans 6, 14 says, sin shall not have dominion over you for you're not under law, you're under. Mm, so if you're not under law, there's no transgression to account to you. This is what the gospel is. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Wow. But how many times do we waste or how much time do we waste imputing our own trespasses to us? when God has fully forgiven us. But it's hard, for us to, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that because our minds can't wrap around that. That's why we need faith. Because reason will never take you there. Because reason is going to tell you you don't deserve that because you did this, you, did, you, you get that. We're still in this law kind of thinking. You reap what you sow, right? We still think that way. We're, we're wired that way. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. But grace is completely different. God justifies. Grace says God justifies the ungodly. How in the world does God justify the ungodly? If he's just, how does he justify? I mean, if, if, <laughs> if I've done the right thing, but I've been accused that I've, of doing the wrong thing, when the evidence came out that I actually did the right thing, it's only fair that I get justified, right? Declared innocent. But God justifies not godly. He justifies the ungodly. How does he do that? Because he blamed his son for the ungodly. And he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow. That's how he does it. That's how he can be just and merciful and gracious. Jesus satisfied the judgment that had been pronounced over us because he carried out the sentence of its consequences. The law brings about wrath. 
But where there is no law, there is no transgression. Mm-hmm. I told our 930 service, it was like, I saw this in our home and in my parents' house. When Heather and I were raising our kids, we had rules for them to abide by. And if they didn't, then they faced the wrathful consequence. Right back there. But it was interesting that when I, they'd go to their Nana and Papa's house. There's no laws there. There's no root, so there's no transgression. All they see is just perfection all the time. Hey, how, 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 how'd the kids, you know, if they stayed over there, we'd come pick them up. How were they? Oh, they were perfect in every way. I'm like, now I know my kids. I know my kids. I know what they're apt to do at times. So I don't even know what you're talking about, son. And one time Heather and I were there with our kids and Maddie Claire had done something, done something that deserved a spanking in my, because she broke my rule. And she, so I, I was going to take her back to the bedroom to administer her consequence when my dad starts crying. I mean, just starts crying. And he's like, please don't do that. I said, Dad, you saw her do that. He just, he just went to bat for her. And as I'm looking at my dad, I'm, I'm remembering how he wore my backside out <laughs> growing up. Did not hold back. I mean, my dad didn't spat. My dad whipped. I mean, he put it on me. I deserved it, though. I mean, you know. But you know when you got whipped. You know you got whipped when you got whipped by John Holler. Because, I mean, woof. So I'm standing there looking at him, and I said, who are you, and what have you done with my dad? Where do you think I learned this from? But in where there is no law, there is no transgression. Oh, God, help us to see how you see. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. Because all we can in our own reasoning, <laughs> in our own religious way, is to conclude, well, we're all just sinners saved by grace. That's, our, that's one of the favorite things. We're all just sinners saved by grace. No, 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 no. No, don't demean what God has done for you. Amen. Don't minimize. You were a sinner. Being saved by grace is a whole different reality, my family. Now you are called citizens of the kingdom, saints, children of God. For you to say, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, which means, see, all this is is like my outside looks real pretty, but I'm still on the inside. I'm still just an old sinner. And so that way, when I do sin, I can just chalk it up with that phrase. Well, after all, we're all just sinners saved by grace. So then I never, don't ever really learn how to win victorious, how to know to, I can overcome sin's dominance in my life. When you fully accept that now you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Right. See, your sin, you sinning was not the issue. This was the symptom of the issue. You were dead in sins, the scripture says. Your condition was screwed up. You were born in sin. So what can you do? I can't help it. I was born that way. I mean, how often do we hear that with different excuses in the world, different things going on? I can't help it. I was born that way. And I go, I agree with you. All of us couldn't help it. We were all born that way, all born in sin. But God didn't leave us in that helpless condition. You can be born again by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he makes you a whole new creation in him. 
See, this is what God has declared over you, my family. Jesus didn't just kind of do it. He fully saved you to the utmost. You're so saved. How saved are we? You're so saved that right now the scripture says, you who were dead, he made alive, having forgiven you all trespasses. He chose you in him. He accepted you before you were here. He called you and now he seated you. He seated you in heavenly places with Christ. How in God's name? How many times? How much time have we lost living way below that truth? Way below. See, if you don't understand that the future is now, that right now, as a child of God, because you have a seated heavenly position with Christ, then you can say as it is there here. Because see, you are speaking from a very authoritative, authoritative position. And faith in God is that avenue how you pull heaven to earth right now. How you pull the future into now. The future's now. The future's now. The law brings about wrath, but there is, well, there is law, no law. There is no transgression. Therefore, verse 16, it is of faith. Everybody say, it is of faith. That it might be according to grace. So you can't get the grace if you don't have the faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, right? Romans 5, 2 says, through whom also, talking about Jesus, through whom also we have access into this grace by faith. All right? Faith is the access into all the good grace of God. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed. I don't know if you caught that, but I, I did. <laughs> it's really good. The promise of God is sure to you. How? Yeah. Yeah. By faith. That takes you into grace. So it can be according to grace. That is that God can gift it to you. So you don't say, I earned this. I did this. I did that. No, he says, no. By faith, I I've just received from him this gift. And then the promise is sure. Because God's a promise keeper, like I said. He's going to do what he said he's going to do but we must believe it. That's the only terms that God gives us. Believe. Believe. Okay. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. I love that. Okay. Right quick, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 17. Paul pulls that where it says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Paul takes that. That's a, that's a text from Genesis. Okay? So we're going to go to that place to see what, exactly what he's talking about. Genesis 17, this is where God is about to make a covenant with Abraham. Okay? And when Abram, at this time his name was Abram, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. The first time we see the words Almighty God are right here in Genesis 17, or where he presents himself as El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, your all-sufficient supplier. Walk before me and be blameless. That's beautiful, isn't it? All right, being blameless is the result of walking before him. He's not asking Abraham to do two things. Walk before me and be blameless. No, he says, you walk before me, here's the result, and be blameless. Walking before God means walking by faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Right? So we walk by faith, and your walk of faith, hallelujah, is where you live in a condition of blamelessness. 
Blameless. Amen. Next, I'd like to go into that more, but I can't. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. So far, so good, right? Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, this is so powerful. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. God begins to show him the future. What is in the mind, what is in the heart of God for this man named Abram. Now think about this. How old is Abram? If I was Abram, I would have been like, why didn't you come see me when I was 20? 99? Later on in this chapter, in Romans chapter 4, it says Abraham, 100 years old, and him as good as dead. Right? He's got one foot in the grave at this point. God shows up and says, hey, I got an idea. Let's start a family. Really? Seriously? So he says, I'm going to make my covenant, but it's a progressive. He's showing him a progressive picture here of the future. I'm going to make my covenant with you. There's step one. Step two is I'm going to multiply you exceedingly. And step three is the end result. You're going to be the father of the world. Whoa. Look at verse five. When Abram was nine, oh, I'm sorry, wrong place. Uh, I'll just read it here. No longer, watch what God says, no longer shall your name be called Abram. Don't you know that Abram might have thought for a moment, thank God, because Abram means father. How does a guy named father not have any kids? Right? My name's father. Where are your kids? It's just a name. For years, he's, he's dealt with this, Father, Father. No, nothing, nothing. So, Lord, what are you going to name me? Trevor? <laughs> Greg? And he says, no, now your name's going to be, what? Abraham. For I have made you, here it is, I have made you. A father of many nations. You're not just going to be father. Now, now I've named you and your name from this day forward will be called father of the world. Okay, God, you just completely ran off and left me now. You know, Sarah's 89. I'm 99. And this is your future for us? Lord, the uh, time is ticking. Well, it's interesting. If I was Abraham, I would have said, okay, hang on a second. Let me, can I just process this for just a second, Lord? You said, I will make you a father of many nations. And then you said, I have made you a father of many nations. It can't be both. Oh, yeah, I guess it can. You're God. God declares the end from the beginning, the scripture says. He declares the end from the beginning. I have made you. This is all done. But Abraham, it's not going to happen until you believe. See, God's made all these promises. They're all there for you. They're all there for you. But if you don't access them, he's not going to force these on you. But if you do, this is what life can be. Here's the potential. Here's the power. Here's the glory. All right, no longer shall your name be Abraham. So now his name is Abraham. So this is what's so cool about what God just did for Abraham. Because we have to go back a little bit. When Abraham was, Abram at the time was 75 is when God started talking to him. 75 years old. Now that's already old. I mean, that's already getting up there, I should say. 
All right, 75, and God starts talking to him about the, these outlandish promises. He starts telling him what he's going to do. And uh, in your seed, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Kings are going to come from you. All these big things are going to happen. And Abraham hears this, and he just keeps living his life, keeps living his life, keeps living his life. 24 years goes by. 24 years, and what has he seen? Oh, Ishmael <laughs> happened along the way which was not God's plan. Abraham was rushing the promise. And God said, no, 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 that's not how it's going to work. Look at this. 24 years, Abraham has heard this. But now God helps him. Now your name is going to be Abraham. So what does Abraham do? Now every time he introduces himself, he is declaring what God has said about him. I am father of the world. Sarah, Abraham, father of the world, come in and get your dinner. So now this goes from a being a distant declaration. Listen to me. Now it's in his house. More importantly, and more specifically, now it's in his mouth. 24 years, God said, God said, God said, God said. And then Abraham said, one year later, Isaac is born. You talk about speeding up the process of the promise. It's not enough for you to just hear God say it. He wants you to partner with him by believing him and getting his word in your mouth so that you can activate that promise by faith and then the world that you live in begins to change and look like how God planned it to look. That's what these promises are there for. You can't be quiet about it. Same spirit of faith, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. Calling those things that be not, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The future is now. See, God changed Abram to Abraham so that Abraham would realize the future really is now. I'm father of the world right now. No circumstantial evidence to confirm this. <laughs> All I have is a word from God. That's all I need. Because if you are believers here in Jesus, guess what? I'm looking today at the evidence, children of Abraham. All over the world, it was as exactly as God said it would be. My goodness. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much that you invite us to this marvelous relationship with you. And as you have dealt to everyone the measure of faith, so that we will cultivate that faith, grow that faith. Because you want us to experience all that you have for us. We can't do it without faith. God, the grace that you have supplied for us, that is it, our at the ready all the time for those who believe to bring us into every good thing that you have promised us. First, I want to say thank you. Thank you for the amazing promise that we find in the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. Whoever believes on him shall live, shall have everlasting life. 
What a glorious message. And we're not even part of the equation. Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried. Christ rose again. Whoever believes that. Thank you, Lord. We don't have to work for this. You did all the working for us. That initial promise, that gospel, that glorious gospel, and all the things that are in it, eternal life, yes, great. Heaven, yes, great. Oh, but God, you have so much for us to experience here on this earth. And you've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Your word says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Thank you that faith is the victory. You did not create us to abandon us. You did not create us to lose. Oh, no, no, no. You give us the victory. You've given us faith so that we overcome because you made us like you. And besides, you are on our side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Thank you for what you've provided for us. Thank you for healing that was purchased through the broken body of Jesus. Today, today, right now, I want you to declare that promise. You need healing? You declare right now. It's now. The future is now. The word of God, the promise is now in my life. And I, I will not, I will not give in to my circumstances. I will not allow time to, to talk me out of this promise. I will believe God no matter what. You need provision today? My God shall supply all of your needs. All of your needs. All of your needs. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The peace of God is yours today. The scripture says when you offer up your prayers to him, he wants to hear from you. Scripture says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And do it with, with thanksgiving. That is this expectation. Thanksgiving is just an exclamation point on your faith. Thank you, Lord, that it's done. I expect it to be done. We're not of those who, who kind of hope our prayers work out. Oh, no, 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 no. It's better than that. We know our prayers work out. We know he hears us. And he says, come with thanksgiving. Why do we come with thanksgiving if we don't know? No, we do know. because that's, Therefore, we give him thanks. But listen to this. This is Philippians chapter 4. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Wow. The joy of the Lord, the scripture says, is your strength. Maybe you're waning a little bit in your strength today, in your walk. The Lord offers you joy, unspeakable and full of glory. The scripture says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen. There's all, this Bible is full of promises that are available for every area of your life. Huh? Believe, speak. Believe, speak. It's now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your great, great word. And I, I pray, God, now, for those that are here that have needs. And I know there are those that have needs. You know there are because your word says you know what we need before we even ask. But you also said, ask and you will receive. See, you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Thank you for these amazing assurances that we have in you. You've given us these promises. So we simply believe them. We don't 
try to reason it. We believe them because you said it. And Lord, I thank you for just a continual awareness and awakening that really the future is now, that we can have days of heaven on earth right now, as you said in your word. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We declare it done in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.